welcome to the Next Academy podcast, focusing on construction leadership, brand growth, and staying on offense. Here's your host, Chad Jones and Cody Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode three. My name is Cody Phillips, joined alongside my co-host, Chad Jones. First, I'd like to thank our foundational sponsors who power the Next Academy, Graybar Electric, Southwire, Milwaukee Tool, and Thomas and & Betts. Before we get started today, I want to announce some exciting news. The Next Academy has added St. Louis as a host location for 2019. A special thank you to St. Louis NECA Chapter Manager Doug Martin and Chapter President Emily Martin for your leadership in driving this endeavor. We only have three host locations remaining for 2019, so please keep this in mind as you finalize your decisions. We'd like to accommodate everyone, but it's imperative for us to grow and scale appropriately to maintain the value proposition for each participant. That is of absolute importance to all of us here at the Next Academy. We are super excited for today's show. We spoke in last month's podcast about strategy and specifically about the strategic planning process we've utilized in our organization. Today's episode will feature National NECA President and President of Miller Electric Company, David Long, as we dive into his role as NECA President, his vision for the future of the electrical construction industry, the importance of culture within an organization, and his participation in the Next Academy. Our straight sauce segment is titled Culture Wins. Let's roll. Let me have your attention for a moment. Let's talk about something important. Put that coffee down. Oh, have I got your attention now? Have I got your attention now? Good. Straight sauce. No rocks. No chaser. The truth. We give it to you straight, and it may burn a little on the way down. Do you have a winning culture? Chances are, no matter how you answer that question, if you are the leader of your organization, the results fall directly on your shoulders. Chad and I remind ourselves often about how everything stems from the top when it comes to company culture. The way you act and behave in your company dictates a huge amount of how the culture will be. You don't like how something is being done or how executive leadership is handling a situation. It's on you. Talk to them. Set an example. Want to establish a healthy eating program or casual dress code? It starts with you. Think the company needs to have less meetings? Once again, you need to start having less meetings. Everyone will be looking to you to dictate the situation. A quote that I love is, the culture precedes positive results. It doesn't get tacked on as an afterthought on your way to the victory stand. Champions behave like champions before they are champions. That's from Bill Walsh, Hall of Fame head football coach. Culture is a vital element to success in sports, and the examples for that are plentiful. But today, both Chad and I are going to try to stick to our feelings on culture strictly through a business prism. Included in the tuition for a Next Academy participant is a subscription to the Harvard Business Review and its vast database. We are in the midst of our second Next Foundation titled Building Vibrant Organizations that stretches from April through June. Culture, naturally, is a key element to this module. I came across an incredible article that shared so many applicable insights to our industry and association, and I'd like to intertwine many of those concepts in today's Straight Sauce segment. Chad is going to go a little more off the cuff, opinion-based on his thoughts of the critical tie between culture and behavior. Yeah, so Cody, to be honest with you, this isn't empirical research, as Mike likes to say. This is, this is purely Chad Jones' take on culture. 
But I do think it has a lot to do with behavior. In order to change culture, you must change your behavior. Let's get one thing straight. When talking about culture, what we're really referring to is organizational health. Many organizations put a huge emphasis on intelligence. That's wonderful. We all know that we need intelligent people in order to succeed. The reality is being smart has become a commodity. That's right. Being smart is simply permission to play. It's a minimum standard required for having a possibility of success. The vast majority of organizations today have plenty of intelligence and expertise, yet many still fail. Organizational health and an environment in which behaviors and attitudes match the mission and values, that's what matters. You know, if you're in a toxic culture, what I'm about to say may scare you, but it is unfortunately true in many instances. Deeply embedded cultures cannot be replaced with simple upgrades or even, you know, with major overhaul efforts. Nor can your culture be swapped out for a new one as though it were an operating system for a a MacBook or PC. To a degree, your current cultural situation just kind of is what it is, and it contains components that provide natural advantages to companies as well as components that may act as breaks. It's rare to see a culture that is all bad or, or one that is all good, and to work with your culture effectively, therefore you must understand it. And I think we both agree on that. We recognize, you know, which traits are are preeminent and consistent and discern under, you know, what type of conditions these traits are likely to be a help or a hindrance. The initial key is having a deep understanding of what you look like in the mirror, a realistic, unbiased 360 view. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And the one thing you see us address a lot of times on the podcast is buzzwords, and you hear them all. We talk about them, change. Culture is another one of those buzzwords. You hear it all the time. But in reality, culture isn't something you can force on an organization. Culture is what happens based on behaviors, period. It can be a great culture due to organizational health and great leadership or a negative culture due to poor behavior and lack of leadership. Culture reflects the action of your people. In simple Culture is the reflection pond of what is happening through action within the organization. Yeah, it's a, it's a commonly held view that behavioral change follows mental shifts as surely as night follows day. And this is why organizations often try to change mindsets and ultimately behavior by communicating values and putting them in glossy brochures or producing white page documents. This technique didn't work well for Enron or Wells Fargo, where accounting fraud and scandal were part of everyday practice, even as the company's values of excellence, respect, integrity, and communication were carved into the marble floor of their atrium. You know, in reality, culture is much more about doing than of saying. No question, and and I kind of crack up at this because you see, again, signs and posters and words and theories and quotes, and <laughs> you, you might walk into a football stadium at a high school, and it'll say, we have, a, we have a winning culture here. But if the team goes out and gets beat 60 to nothing, you don't have a winning culture. Um, what, what you have is words that don't match actions in reality. Correct. Yeah, I mean, trying to change a culture purely through top-down messaging, training, development programs, you know, identified cues seldom really changes the people's beliefs or behaviors. In fact, neuroscience suggests that people act their way into believing rather than thinking their way into acting. Changes to key behaviors, changes that are tangible, actionable, repeatable, observable, and measurable are thus a good place to start. And, you know, some good examples of behavioral change, if you're listening out there and you're wondering exactly what could I do, these are some behavioral changes that are observed at a number of companies. And oftentimes they relate to empowerment. 
reducing the number of approvals needed for decisions or collaboration, setting up easy ways to convene joint projects or adding interpersonal relations as part of a main focus inside your company, devising mutually respectful practices for raising contentious issues or grievances. There is a lot of behavioral changes that can be done in a short period of time that can really, really, really affect your organizational culture. Right. So you hear people say all the time, well, we're going to change our culture. What does that mean? And and I'll give you my version and a couple of examples of, of how I see it. First, figure out who and what your organization is going to look like. What do you want it to look like? Make sure you have the executive or leader that embodies that vision and allow that person to select their team or players that will execute the vision. Now, sit back and watch how action and execution creates the culture you are looking for. Remember, you don't get the behaviors you want. You get the behavior you tolerate, and it's behavior that creates culture. And I have a couple examples of that. I know we have some listeners that are in tune with the football environment. We use it as a reference, but I also think it's important to understand how much that leader plays a role in behaviors. Take a look at the 49ers from the 1990s. That was a cerebral team. It was a team that was going to X and O you to death. They were going to run the West Coast offense. It was precision. It wasn't so much about brute physical talent. It was more about flow and execution of an offense. It was Bill Walsh. I mean, the team embodied Bill Walsh. Take the 85 Bears. Great Super Bowl team. This was a defense that was loud. It was going to smash you in the face. It was aggressive. It was going to intimidate you. It looked like Mike Ditka. What he asked for, what he wanted, what he spoke about are the actions and behaviors he got out of that team. And it goes on and on. Lombardi's Packers, the power sweep, blocking and tackling. The things that he talked about, the behaviors he asked for is exactly what he got on the field. It's no different in corporations. Apple and Steve Jobs, it has his fingerprints all over him. The company looks like what he wanted. GE with Six Sigma and cutting the bottom 10%. Jack the Ripper, we've all heard these stories. It, the actions that these folks asked for is exactly the culture they got. Yeah, listen, no matter where you work, to be great, to be truly great requires incredible buy-in from all parties. David Cummings, he's a CEO and founder of Parter, says, corporate culture is the only sustainable competitive advantage that is completely within the control of the entrepreneur. Develop a strong corporate culture first and foremost. Now, then I, I read another quote from Justin McLeod, who is the CEO of Hinge, when asked about his hiring techniques. And he said, I look for two things when I hire a new employee, ambition and humility. Without a proven track record of initiative and ambition, it's likely the person becomes a drain rather than a contributor to the company, even the really smart, talented ones. You know, as you listen now, do you, listeners, have the ambition and the humility to excel. It's a really, really tough balance. You need a healthy dose of those extremes, the high-end philosophy of what you believe and the low-down subject matter expertise that allows you to execute against it. You know, something my man Gary V uh, refers to as the clouds in the dirt. Yeah, it's funny. You know, being today's NFL draft day, I, I got to right. use this reference. Um, when Chuck Noll was hired, at that time, the Pittsburgh Steelers were dreadful. For years, they were terrible. They didn't have a winning culture. They didn't win. Their number one draft choice his first year didn't even want to come here, Joe Green. But what was really cool was Chuck called that team together when he first got here to Pittsburgh, and he called them in the room, and he told them, I've been watching film, and I figured out why we're not winning football games. And there was a pause, and he said, you're not any good. 
and, and he was being realistic and accurate. And he told them, in three years, we're going to compete for a Super Bowl, and many of you won't be here when we do. That is an example of setting, here's the behavior and expectation I'm looking for, right. just so you know, and I'm going to staff for it, right. and that's where we're going. Yeah, you have to embody your company culture at such a point that you are willing to hire and fire around it. You know, in closing, I think every single top level executive will tell you the importance of culture. But do they live it? Do you live it? You know, what most executives don't realize is the higher you go, the more humility and empathy are required to be great. It's hard to check the ego at the door, but it's it's mandatory for greatness. This naturally leads us into a conversation with our featured guest, David Long. David has been in the electrical construction industry since 1975 when he began work as a construction wireman for Miller Electric. After graduating from the Jacksonville JATC in 1981, he began his career as a journeyman wireman. This led to foreman and supervisory positions. In 1991, he moved into management as an estimator and assistant project manager. He rose through the ranks at the company and was named president of Miller Electric in 2012. His primary emphasis is vertical markets, corporate client development, labor relations, and company expansion. Long has been seen as a leader throughout the electrical construction industry for quite some time. He was governor of NECA's North Florida chapter and on the national level served as District 3 vice president. He has chaired the Workforce Development and Compensation Committees and co-chaired several organizations, including the Electrical Training Alliance, Council on Industrial Relations, National Labor Task Force, and the National LMCC Committee. He was awarded the Cogshell Award and was installed into the Academy of Electrical Contracting in 2012. David is now finishing up the fourth month of a 36-month term as National NECA President. David, it's awesome to have you with us today. Thank you for taking the time to speak with Chad and I. Why don't you start by telling our listeners a little bit about what you feel was your role as National NECA President? Cody, I feel like that my role as National President, NECA National President, is to not only create and implement and lead a vision for our organization and for the electrical contracting industry as a whole, but also to be able to inspire and enhance the staff across America, whether it's national staff or local staff, to have them equipped with the best tools, the best knowledge, whatever we can help them as an association to help them be successful in their marketplace. That is my job as president. I take it serious every day because these men and women in these companies are not only putting their time and their talents and their treasures at risk, but also many of them are generational companies. And the past generation has turned the company over to them, and the future generation is depending on them to leave it better for them. So if I can do anything as Nika National President to be able to create and lead them into a vision that makes them better, then I feel like I'm successful. David, what are your top three objectives as president? Well, I, I'm sure that most people associated with Nika now as an organization is beginning to hear about our vision 1025, where we're trying to make an all-out effort to grow our, each of our contractors' market by 10 percentage points over the next eight years. And to do that, I really believe that we're going to have to enhance labor relations at a high level, at the local level, as hard as we can go. I believe that we're going to have to drive education not only from the national staff, but we're going to have to drive education 
whether it's classes that we're putting on in the local chapters or even classes for our apprenticeship, classes for our FOIL leadership to, to help them minimize risk on the job site and be able to be profitable and productive at the gang box. And then there's no doubt in this economy and to grow our market share, we're going to have to grow our workforce. And we're going to have to do that with all hands on deck, whether we're recruiting at the local level or we're recruiting at a national level. We've got to display this industry for what it is. This industry is a very viable uh, career path for men and women of all ages, all backgrounds in America today. And I believe that we have a great opportunity to not only enhance our labor relations because we have a growing economy. I know we have to continue to improve our education, whether we're doing it uh, in the classroom or we're doing it virtual. And that will help us be able to attract more people into the workforce. We have the opportunity for this industry to impact those lives and communities by growing our market share. Yeah, I completely agree. And Chad and I have long been a proponent of creating a winning culture within the walls of an organization. So I just wondered, in your opinion, how you feel the culture of an organization is vital to its ultimate success? Well, it has been said that culture eats strategy for breakfast. And I think it's true. <laughs> I think that you've got to have a clear strategy. And I believe now— Got both. Right. I think we have a clear strategy understanding that for the first time in the organization, we have said nationally, from national leadership, we want to grow our market share. And we're willing to go nationally and, and work with not only our premier partners, work with our trade union to grow our market share. But with that being said, we've got to have a strong culture that will lead to high performance at every level. And to do that, we've got to have a culture of true transparency and open communication. We've got to be able to share our vision and clear mission that we do this by making our contractors better, by focusing on their success. We do this by attracting and retaining the best talent in the workforce. We do this by partnering with great partners that will help us get there. And then developing a program where we foster membership relationships at all levels. And creating that corporate culture inside of NECA, where our NECA staff and our chapter executives and our contractors and our labor unions believe that we have a trusting relationship that's mutual and beneficial to all. And we create a place where the best ideas is offered up in a collaborative manner that we can then reflect them across the portfolio. Not one size fits all, but understanding, listen, we have hundreds of thousands of men and women at all levels, from a first-year apprentice to the CEO, from a chapter executive to administrative person in national labor relations. Listen, there is some phenomenal ideas. There's phenomenal things happening in our organization. My goal is to create a culture where it's completely transparent and collaborative that people feel like at any time they can raise their hand and say, hey, I have a question or, hey, I have an idea, and at the same time understand that it's a common goal with a common vision that helps all of us be successful. That's the culture that we've got to foster in our organization, and we've got to create it in a fashion where it's mutually beneficial for everyone, and that way it will lead to success, no matter whether you're a chapter executive or a contractor or you're a NECA national staff member. And that really sounds like a learning culture, which I think is outstanding. You know, in the past, we probably looked at culture in one area, but you're talking about a culture for NECA overall that encompasses everybody. And as you know, in order to change culture, you must change behavior. So 
the next question I have for you is what message would you like to get out to the 100 plus NECA chapter executives throughout the country? Well, I thank you for uh, asking that question, Chad, because here's the deal. If we do not have a mindset, starting with the president of NECA and all the national staff and executive staff, if we do not have the culture of seeing at the top and then being able to build a grassroots effort where we expect the collection of excellence to raise the bar for everyone in the electrical industry, no matter what level you are. If it's someone at Gray Bar that's calling on our contractor, if it's someone at Milwaukee Tool on our job site getting tools for our men and women, if it's someone at Snyder, if it's someone with any of our premier partners, all 10 of our training partners, our workforce development, working with our apprenticeship programs at all levels, we're going to have to say that we're going to strive to be excellent and if we do not do that, it's like that old saying, the weakest link of the chain is the weakest link. We have got to raise the bar by driving ourselves very hard every day to be the best in the business. We have got to show our customers, NECA customers, which is our contractors, we got to show them that we're going to raise the bar and we're going to strive for excellence. And then in turn, we want to help our contractors go to the marketplace and show their customers that absolutely unequivocally, NECA and its contractors is the best value for its companies and for the corporate workplace in America for doing electrical work, whether you're at a CEO of a hospital or you're the owner of an NFL team and you've hired a NECA contractor or contractors to wire your stadium or anything in between, whether it's security, whether it's lighting, whatever it looks like, we have got to say we're going to strive to be the best. And it takes hard work and it takes delegating to the right people. That is something that we've, over the years, is somehow or another we've created these silos through our organizations. We've got to break down our walls and say, you know what, we're all on the same team. Let's go at it. And at the end of the day, I know that the talented men and women we have in our rank and file, the talented men and women who own our companies and our managers and our organization, and we have some great chapter executives and staff that just do a phenomenal job. It is my goal to take the national staff and say, how do we become an extension of you? No matter where you're at today, and if you get up and you have a problem, you know undoubtedly and are very confident that someone in the NECA organization has the answer or knows where to get the answer for you and have the ability to reach out and touch that person, get the information in a very collaborative manner that is very comfortable to help an owner or a project manager or a field leader or a chapter executive get the information quickly and become their outsourced person. Yeah, you know, Chad and I, we've viewed ourselves since we started here as an extension of the contractor's office. We talked about last podcast about pulling the rope in the same direction, and it is a unique business model with a hundred and some different chapters, but the bottom line is, if we can all get on board and pull the rope in the same direction, I completely agree with you that we have the minds, the spirit, and the ability to be something that, that maybe we never thought we could be. Here's where I think that we've fell short. Uh, we we've seem to feel like that we've had a hundred ropes pulling on this market instead of yeah. one collective rope that a right. hundred of us are pulling on. So that is my goal as NECA president is ask, how do I convince people to take the 99 ropes 
and overlay them and interlace them till they become one rope, and that rope is hooked to the marketplace mm-hmm. that creates prosperity and success for our companies and our contractors across America. That's a, that's a culture that is, we're going to have to work, and, you know, it's like anything else. Imagine interlacing individual small ropes into a cable of ropes to pull yes. something strong. It takes hard work, and it, it takes time-consuming effort, and it also takes 99 willing ropes to bend and interweave into it that we get. We have got to get there. I want one rope and not 99. Yep. You know, given given that one of the pillars of the Next Academy podcast focuses on construction leadership, and and I recognize this is a tough introspective question, but it's it's one that we've begun to ask all of our guests, and I think it's going to be super unique at the end of the year to pull everybody's answers and and see where everybody falls on this. And and these are kind of two separate questions, and feel free to answer answer either one or both. What is your personal leadership philosophy? What is David Long's mission statement? If I had to sum it up, my personal statement in this is my mission in life is to improve the lives of everyone I come in contact with, that they are successful where they are and will be successful in the future. With that being said, as NECA president, if I pulled back and said, okay, what is my personal mission statement as NECA national president? I would have to say that I want to improve the lives of all the people in the electrical industry, both present and future generations, where they will be successful. Well, that is a a lofty goal, but I think it is one that is definitely attainable. And before we let you go, we want to thank you for an incredible job just getting out and touching the different contractors throughout the country, making sure that people are aware of your message and what your goals are. And Chad and I wanted to make sure that we got you on here to reach more people. And we felt this was a good opportunity. We also appreciate your support and your involvement with the Next Academy. Well, Cody, thank you for that. Chad, thank you. And I thank you for what you're doing, not only in Western PA, uh, but what you're beginning to do around the country, whether it's in Milwaukee or wherever it's at. Because, you know, just going back and saying it's a lofty goal to improve people's lives, but you know how we all do that is one handshake at the time, one encouraging word, having the right strategy statement at the right time. That's how we do these things. And there's no doubt that you two and your chapter are blazing the trail to make this industry better. And from that, you're making me not only a better president for NECA, you're making me a better president for Miller Electric Company. But, you know, more than that, you're making me a better executive person that helps people in my community, whether it's in the non-profit area or whether it's just living my daily life, minimizing the stress, realizing what's important. And so those things will pay huge dividends, not only to me, but everyone I come in contact going forward. And then anyone in your next academy and in, in the areas that you're touching, you're absolutely changing lives and, and you're affecting communities. And for that, I want to thank you too and for your effort and your chapter executives for having the vision and not only having a vision, but then turn around and basically putting their money where their mouth is and stepping up and developing a program that will absolutely make people better. It's one thing to make businesses better. 
That's one thing, but that's short term. But when you make individuals better and impact their lives, it's generational because they reproduce, they reproduce, they reproduce. And for that, I want to thank both of you for that. We appreciate that, David, and and we believe that your consistent message of empowering lives and communities is an easy one to rally around, and um, you can count on our support in this chapter support in helping you deliver that message across the country. Thank you. That was National NECA President David Long. As with each guest, we certainly hope you took some tangible lessons from that that you can embed into your own life that will enable you to become a better leader. His passion and vision for the electrical construction industry is awesome. His leadership and drive to transform NECA into a more sustainable, viable, and imaginable association while driving the 1025 Market Growth Initiative is inspiring. As a team, IBW NECA Electrical Training Alliance, we can do this, but everybody has to be in the boat, rowing in unison with the same goal in mind. Let me leave you with this quote from Tony Shea, CEO of Zappos, on organizational culture. I quote, We believe that it's really important to come up with core values that you can commit to. And by commit, we mean that you're willing to hire and fire based on them. If you're willing to do that, then you're well on your way to building a company culture that is in line with the brand that you want to build. End quote. Without the culture, you will not have the brand. It's imperative on each and every one of us to continue to build a positive culture within our industry. I think President Long's presence and determination is a positive step in that direction. Culture comes down to leadership, the ability to lead others. No looking around for excuses, no pointing fingers. It's about accountability, about responsibility. Own your life. See you next time on the next Academy podcast where we focus on construction leadership, brand growth, and staying on offense. Oh, Father, tell me, do we get what we deserve? Oh, we get what we deserve. And we're down.